Hey there, I'm Stephanie Shaw. Welcome to the Hello Hot Flash podcast, where midlife women can learn from guest experts and authors who discuss menopause and all that comes with this new chapter in our lives. Hello Hot Flash, where we learn to control the change and not let the change control us. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hello Hot Flash, where we help you control the midlife change. I'm so excited to be here today with my guest, Kathy Rust. Hey, Kathy. Hi, Stephanie. It's nice to talk with you. Uh, As always, before we hit record, all the good stuff happens. So uh, we've solved the mental health crisis, healthcare crisis, and the crisis around education. (laughs) Sorry, you guys didn't listen. I know. (laughs) Um, that's for another episode. That that's for a, a special uh, episode. <laughs> I, again, I'm so excited to have Kathy here with me today. Uh, Kathy and I met a couple of weeks ago, and we hit it off. And um, so I wanted to have her on the podcast because we have something very, very interesting to talk about today. Uh, so I'll let me in, let me introduce her first. Kathy wants to help hot flash and night sweat sufferers feel more comfortable as they sleep. So she has created sleepwear to get us through the night without us waking up soaking wet. Like we have to have this conversation, right? What's the magic behind it? Kathy believes this is not a conversation about fashion but rather about health. So again, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me on it, Stephanie. Of course. Get us started by telling us a little bit about your journey and what inspired you to create menopause sleepwear. Yeah, well, um, uh, the old saying goes, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Um, <laughs> but, but So it, it really, for me, started after menopause. So I had my one day of menopause, I guess, in in 2016. And about a year later, I felt my first night sweat. And I was kind of like, what? What is this going on? I passed menopause. I'm good. All of those crappy symptoms I had before, they are gone. Well, it turns out that that is just a whole bunch of hogwash. And I knew very little about menopause um, at the time. And I'd had a ton of, looking back, it's like, oh yeah, I had a ton of symptoms. I just never connected the dots. But night sweats weren't gonna let me shake this one off. They were so connected to menopause. I finally had to start thinking about what was going on. And my night sweats started out as, I I call it the drip water torture. because I started with one in the one when I went to bed and one when I woke up in the morning. So they were my my go to bed, my wake up signals. And then as time went on, they were more and more frequent. And, you know, I'd get one at midnight, let's say, I don't know what time it was, but in the middle of the night. And then, you know, so that would be three until I was honestly flipping my covers on and off every 15 minutes and could not sleep. I don't know if it was 15 minutes that's what it felt like because the covers are going off, going on, going off, going on all night long. I was, I was soaked. I was exhausted. And then the few times that I slept through those hot flashes, because I was so exhausted, I'd wake up totally soaked um, nightgown, like drenched so bad. I'd have to go and change and get up. And by then you're wide awake because you've just had to change your night, your nightwear and I would put a towel down because my husband was sleeping beside me and I didn't want to wake him up um, and sleep on the towel. And then I'd stare at the ceiling for two hours before I could fall back to sleep. So 
life was pretty awful. And that went on for, I'd say, I kid you not, like over a year, if not longer, before I finally went to my doctor and said, okay, you got to help me. I'm exhausted. I can't sleep. I'm not doing anything. There's no exercise going on. There's no socializing. It is just how do I get through this day as quickly and efficiently as possible? And on top of that, I was um, uh, I was so tired. I'd want to go to bed at night, but I knew it was just going to be more of the same. So I reached a point where I actually started crying. And I think that's what prompted me because I thought, I, I can't do this anymore. I cannot go through this. I'm so tired. So my doctor said to me, okay, we're going to put you on HRT because that is one of the, the symptoms that you have is a good candidate for hormone replacement therapy. And, and so we talked through the pros and the cons and I said, okay, let's try it. I'd already tried progesterone for migraines before menopause. So I was familiar with it. And I said, why is this going to work? So we went through everything. And then she said to me, by the way, I'm not sure if you know, but lifestyle is also connected to night sweats. And I did not know that. I didn't know that what you could do could have an effect or on the severity of your night sweats. So she said, just as you did with your migraines, when I had migraines pre-menopause, um, use a tracking journal and find out what diet, what beverages, um, all kinds of things. She gave me a list of triggers and I had to track all of my activities. She didn't tell me to track things like room temperature and fabrics and that sort of thing. And that's where, so, so I thought, you know, what she told me to do was great, fantastic. And it really got me on this journey. But then I also started looking into, okay, what can I do in my environment to help me as well? So I, I really started tracking everything and I did notice that there were a few things that really made my night sweats a hundred times worse. And, and everybody's is independent and their bodies will respond differently. Um, I responded, of course, to the usual triggers. Uh, red wine was the worst. Um, and so I, I mean, I can't drink anymore anyway, but when I, when I did have an occasional glass of wine, if I was having a really, really nice red wine, um, I knew that, you know, once I'd figured everything out and I got into a rhythm, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to have a bad sleep tonight. And this red wine is worth it. So <laughs> you said it, you take on a different attitude yeah. when you know what the triggers are, right? It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to have a crappy sleep, but that's okay. Cause I've got my <laughs> one glass. I'm really enjoying it. And, and that's life. So so that was my personal experience with night sweats and the HRT helped for about three months and it was a godsend and I got my sleep back and I felt like a normal human being again. And then I had one of the side effects of HRT, which are um, estrogen related migraines. So you can have a buildup of estrogen where your body doesn't process it properly. And I've talked to other healthcare practitioners since and they said, you were probably on too high a dose. Okay. It's too late for me to go back now. And I don't need it anymore anyway. But if um, uh, I'd been on a lower dose, but I, I kept cutting the estrogen level that I was taking and the headaches were still there. So I had to go off. And once I went back off the HRT, the night sweats came back fast and furious and, and the sensitivity to triggers and everything else. So it was was not a good situation to be in. And I was sleep deprived again. 
And I knew I had to get my sleep back. I, I knew that. And um, I was watching my mother-in-law. This is totally anecdotal, but um, she had done everything right in terms of her intellectual abilities and socializing. And she still got um, dementia. And that scared me because the one thing she didn't ever look after was her sleep. So mm-hmm. totally anecdotal information. It was enough to motivate me to really focus on getting my sleep back. I'm not one of these proud people who can just power through all nighters. I've never been able to do that. I don't like doing it. I don't do well. So, you know, so, so I thought, okay, what am I going to do? The first thing I'm going to do is track all of my, all of my triggers and which I had been doing. And I found out what some of them were. The next thing I thought was, I kept thinking there's got to be a better fabric that I can use for my nightgown. And I don't like pajamas. Um, I don't like the, the um, feeling around my waist. And when you have night sweats, my legs burned like I was sitting next to a campfire when I was going through a flash. So the last thing I wanted were pajamas covering that, that part up. But I don't like sleeping naked. And to be honest with you, when you have hot flashes, if you're sleeping naked, then your sheets have to act as that first layer next to your skin. So I really needed something there. And I was using a hand-me-down polyester nightgown that my mother had given me. And I, I don't really like polyester, but I was too tired and, and too exhausted to go out and change it until I was finally sort of, okay, you've got to go to the store and you've got to get something. So I go down to the local lingerie store and I pick up, I thought, okay, cotton, cotton's going to do it for me. I am going to um, get a cotton nightgown and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to be perfectly comfortable and I'm going to have had the best sleep like I'd never have night sweats. Turns out that in fact is completely wrong. And I was really surprised that I woke up completely drenched, just as awful. And I'd had just as bad a sleep and woke up just as soaked in my cotton nightgown as I had my polyester nightgown. So I'm sort of saying, okay, why, why is that? That doesn't make any sense. And by the way, this went on, I I thought, you know what, it's one night. I can't, I can't base it on one night. I've got to keep going. So for another month, actually even more than that, I kept wearing this cotton nightgown and I was having no success. And I put it in the wash one day and pulled it out of the dryer and looked at it. And there are permanent sweat stains after a month around my chest and my underarms. And it, it kind of scared me because I thought, this is ridiculous. How can you sweat so much that at night that you have these sweat stains at your chest and your underarms? But that's and darker around my um, torso, excuse me, my torso area. So it was it was really bad. And that was when I finally said, all right, if I'm going to get a comfortable sleep, if I'm going to get my sleep back, I'm going to have to approach this using my green building skills, which sounds really weird, but that's what my background is. I come from the world of green building where I've been writing about natural building materials for 15 years. Um, and I have a master's in political science and environmental studies, and I have a BA, BSc in biology and human genetics. So I have a science background. I used it to write about green building materials. I've always wanted to, I guess, um, leave the planet a better place than the way I found it, which is not happening at this point in time. 
but if I can do my one little part and, and help people, you know, find things that are better for them, better materials, then that's, that's what I have to be happy with. I so for Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I, I was going to just say that's, that's like the perfect segue story. I want to go back real quick. So when you talked about, uh, first of all, I want to make sure that folks heard that you took the time to actually journal through the process so you understood what was going on. And then you mentioned like the red wine. So we know that sugars are the triggers. But for our audience, were there other triggers um, to the hot flashes and to the night sweats for you that people may not be aware is actually happening? Yeah, um, there are. I started looking up what common triggers were, and then I started looking at my triggers because they're not always, everybody has different triggers, as I've mentioned. So my triggers were very specifically red wine. White wine wasn't as bad a trigger. Um, so, and then if I drank an organic white wine, I was even better off. And if I had four ounces um, that seemed to be my limit where I wouldn't trigger uh, a night sweat. And then if I drank it three hours before bedtime. So in other words, what it comes down to is if you have four ounces of white wine between six and seven at night, it's probably not going to influence your night sweats, right? That's really what it comes down to. It's when you start going over that, you'll know what your own limit is. Um, and so anything that's clear is better for night, night sweats. That's, that's what I found. And when I talk to other women like me, they all say, oh yeah, red wine's the worst. Um, and, but again, it's all, it's all individual. Um, so that's one. The other thing that I noticed was for me, um, warm, I, I really like a warm tea before I go to bed, a chamomile or a mint or something herbal. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was noticing once I started doing this journal that if I had a tea at nine, when I went to bed at, let's say, 1030, I would have like half an hour of night sweats. And as soon as I stopped drinking that warm tea, that particular episode of night sweats was cut out completely. Wow. So if you want to do a warm glass of something after dinner because it helps you calm down, just do it about, again, about an hour and a half to two hours before you go to bed. You'll know what your own window is. So so those were two triggers that I noticed. Um, they also say that there are other triggers like um, if you're overweight and if you're a smoker, um, if you like spicy food. Um, I'm not overweight and I'm not a smoker. I do love spicy food. Spicy food doesn't seem to be a problem for me. Um, and it may be because my taste buds are dead. So I can handle a lot of, I can handle a lot of spice. <laughs> so, so again, every, at like, they also say, oh, caffeine and chocolate. Well, I've cut my caffeine way back to first thing in the morning. And from then on, I just switched to decaf. I can handle a, a cup of tea in the afternoon without a problem. Um, so this is all because your hormones are changing and some people fly through menopause and I hate those people <laughs> um, because honestly, and if I'd been one of them, I would have been unsym unsympathetic to the rest of us as well. Cause that's my personality. Uh, <laughs> why we were having the conversation we had prior, because we have similar personalities. <laughs> 
because so, they kind of look at you like, uh, oh, nightgowns for night sweats. How unusual, how different. And, and it's like, yeah, you've never had that problem. And then other women who've had it, they go, oh, where were you five years ago? You know, so it's really dependent. My favorite is when I talk to men and they say, what do you do? And I say, oh, well, I make nightgowns for night sweats. Most of them say, well, that's quite a niche market. And I say, well, you know, if you consider 50 million women niche, then I guess, yeah, it is. <laughs> so so you, you just have these conversations with people about what you do and some people get it immediately and those are the people who tend to have had and experienced exactly what you are experiencing yeah so um that that's how it got started but yeah the triggers are common getting back to the triggers and everybody needs to record what will do it for them. But one of the triggers that people may not understand is room temperature. Mm -hmm. It's really important that you can get your room temperature as low as you and your partner are comfortable with. And I say that because I like a room temperature at 15 degrees Celsius, which is maybe, I think that's around 60, 59 Fahrenheit. And my husband gets so oh. mad at me. And he says, I'm on your husband's side in this, yeah. Kathy. Sorry. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And uh, and he looks at me like, you know, I have to wear a hat to bed when it's that cold. <laughs> so, so he's not happy. But you know, when we were younger, I was cozying up to him and I was hugging him at night. And now when he comes to hug me at night when we're going to bed and he wants to cuddle, I'll usually say to him. Okay, you have 30 seconds before I burst into flames. And so, and then, <laughs> and so he says, Okay, well, just let me know. And I say, Oh, you'll know. And I literally, I can feel this tightness in my chest and my heart ready to start pounding. And then I say, Okay, enough, enough, enough. You got to go. You got to go. And he's got to be on the far side of the bed. So that like, even if he's within a foot, sometimes it's like, you're too close. I can feel all that heat radiating off of you. He thinks I'm, he thinks I'm crazy, but he's very, he's very supportive. Because uh, at this, you know, I didn't even know that my hot flashes were bothering him until he gave me uh, bamboo sheets for Christmas one year. And that's when I thought, oh am I disturbing him too? Like I thought I was being really quiet with my tossing and turning. I was not. No, no, it was bad. It was really bad. I'm sure the folks that are listening are like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. So thank you so much. Uh, back to your background. So I want to talk about these, uh, I was going to say these sheets. I'm not talking about sheets. We're talking about sleepwear. I want to talk about the sleepwear that you were able to create and talk um, to us about the design process, why you're using the product that you're using, and how does this specific product help with the night sweats? Yeah. So, so as I am lying in bed awake when night, it's a whole bunch of. You know how sometimes you have a whole bunch of different areas, a whole bunch of different points from different areas in your life, and they all come together in a in a kind of a, a I don't know, a big light bulb idea. But you need to have experienced all these different areas in order to have that light bulb idea. And that was what happened to me. 
Um, and so because I, uh, I write about green building, um, I had been at a conference way back, I think in 2018 or 20, I don't know when it was, 2017. I was at a, I was at a green building conference where I heard someone talk about, um, this professor talked about um, phase change materials mm -hmm. and how phase change materials were being incorporated into the walls of buildings so that as the temperature rose in the room, those phase change materials that were solid would melt and, and change into liquid, absorbing that heat and drawing heat away from the room. So I started thinking, so I thought that was really cool. And I thought, what a great idea, because you need to use less electricity um, to cool down a building because the building is working on your behalf. It's really cool. And if you want to see that in action in your own kitchen, just um, notice how a tube, a, a tub of uh, coconut oil changes from solid to liquid in the winter and the summer. Yeah. So that is, that's a phase change. Okay. Or ice to water. Ice to water is a phase change. Um, but coconut oil is the best because you're you're watching it as your room temperature changes, go from solid to liquid, depending on the heat or the the coolness of, of your room. So it's really, it's really kind of cool. I look at it, oh, that's a phase change. Right. So so anyway, so I I was I heard that and I stuck it in the back of my mind because I thought it's so simple. There's no mechanical involvement of a process. You stick it in the wall, it it moderates the temperature of your room between let's say uh, 60 degrees, I use Fahrenheit, 60 and 70 degrees. So if it's hotter than that and, and colder than that, it's not going to make a huge difference. But in, in between that sweet spot, it will it will help ease the burden on your electricity system because it will do kind of the work for you. So that's number one. I thought that was really, really neat. And then number two was I was at another building conference a little while later, and um, I was talking to these people about hemp. And they were telling me they were farmers who grew hemp and then they shipped it off to a place in Quebec, northern Quebec, called Asbestos. Yes, where asbestos comes from. They are trying to change their name right now from asbestos to something a little less controversial. Right. Um, but they also have a factory there that makes hemp insulation. And they were talking to me about the benefits of hemp insulation for buildings. And hemp insulation absorbs heat and moisture when a room has too much of it and releases it back into the air when a room doesn't have enough. Again, within that, that sweet spot. So it worked just like a phase change material. So between let's say 60 and 70 degrees, it will help keep the room at a constant temperature of about, I don't know, 63 or 64 degrees, something like that. Right. So, so I thought, wow, that is so cool that a material can do that because it just, you don't have to worry about mechanics. You don't have to worry about maintaining it. It works on its own. It's seamless. So all that to say is while I'm dying of heat and sweat <laughs> at night, staring at the ceiling going, I've got to get rid of this. I kept saying, I wish I had something that was made out of a fabric that could absorb this heat and the sweat and get rid of the, the moisture, but keep the heat for when I get chilled again. And so that's what was going through my head. And I thought, well, cotton will do that. We turn, it turns out cotton, in fact, won't do that. And that's because cotton loves water. That's why our towels are made out of cotton. Cotton loves water. Yeah. It's super absorbent. And it doesn't get rid of the water easily. It also isn't a great heat manager. 
So what you need is a material that will absorb a lot of the heat, get rid of the excess heat, but maintain a little bit so that when you go back into a chill state, it will release that heat back to your body. And the whole idea is to um, level the peaks and valleys of a hot flash. So if you have a peak of a hot flash, what you're trying to do is have that fabric grab onto all of that heat and sweat as it's happening so that you don't notice it and whisk it away from your body, not just wick, but get rid of it. And then as you go into that, that valley of, um, of chill, which you get after a night sweat, that, that that fabric will release the heat back to you and make that chill a little bit less. And so that's, that's what I really wanted this fabric to do is to maintain that so that I could sleep because I thought if I don't have the cover flipping, if I don't have to wake up every single time I have a hot flash, then I can get a less disturbed sleep. I can sleep longer and I can wake up refreshed, which is what you're supposed to have happen when you go to sleep. That's what sleep is all about. Right. So that, that's what I was trying to do. That is amazing. And so um, for the audience, you were gracious enough to um, let my cousin try it. And she tried it and thought that she actually, she's like, oh, because you know, kind of in your mind, you're thinking, okay, it's a product. Is it really going to help me? Or if it helps everyone else, is it specifically going to help the issue that I have? And she was able to see a change in her sleep when she started wearing the product. So I, I love the way that you explained it and want to let folks know that it works. It it works. And you're gracious enough also to, so what will happen in the month of November, listeners will, can have the opportunity to win a piece of sleepwear. And so we'll have a $100 gift card that will be made available to listeners. And then you can check out that information at hellohotflash.com slash giveaway. Uh, go in, see how you can register and, and get the, the wonderful uh, sleepwear that Kathy just explained to us. That's amazing, Kathy. And I love that it's not like, oh, let's make this nightgown and whatever. It You really researched, you took the science behind what the product can do and made that available for women. We That is amazing. I So when I first heard hemp, I'm thinking, and I've had other people say, hey, what hemp, marijuana? Like, is there a connection? What does this look like? Can you explain to us what part of the plant you're actually using for the production of the product? Yeah, sure. I, it's a really good question because I've had a lot of people ask me about that as well. Like, oh, hemp. The first, so if you, it, so. There are a couple of things. Number one is hemp and cannabis are related. They are, they're not even distant cousins. They're like siblings, the oldest and the youngest sibling. And the reason is the leaves look the same. The stalks look the same. Everything looks the same. The difference between the two plants is the level of the THC. THC stands for tetrahydrocannabinoid. Dial. I believe that's what it stands for. I never get the, the name right, but everybody knows it as THC. And that is the drug that causes, um, uh, what do you say? Like um, the, the, or the yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so um, cannabis can have, uh, because it's, it's a regulated crop, 
it can have it, its level of THC is not limited in Canada. I don't know about the United States, but it can have as much as it wants. Hemp must have a level of THC at 0.3% concentration. So for the plant itself. So 0.3% is, is a really, really small level. And in most cases, if you were just to have that concentration of THC, um, it would not produce any kind of effect. But the other thing to note is that, of course, if you were to take a whole field of hemp and grind it all down and extract that oil and that THC, yeah, you can probably create a pretty potent product. But it, it, most of that THC is in, the, is in the leaves and the buds, the flowers, and not in the stalk itself. There are traces of THC in the stalk, traces. And they think that, that the traces of the THC are A, what make it a really great crop to grow because it doesn't need um, herbicides and pesticides. I think it needs a little bit of herbicide. But you can grow hemp really economically um, it doesn't need a lot of inputs it does not need any water so it needs very little it needs zero irrigation it lives on rainwater it grows almost anywhere I mean I hate to use the expression but it's like a weed it just grows <laughs> it grows it grows anywhere you do need a license to grow it in Canada I'm pretty sure you probably need one in the states as well it's a regulated crop and that is because of its similarity to uh, marijuana. Um, but there are, I think, over 200 uses for the product of hemp. And hemp used to be used commonly before um, cotton became a huge product in the United States. It was always used for ropes, for sails, for clothing, uh, for paper, for building products. You name it, hemp was um, was the amazing this amazing material crop that could be used for everything. It's bio-based, it's um, easy to grow, it grows anywhere and it doesn't need water. So, um, you know, why it stopped being used, there are lots of theories about that, but it, it was banned in North America, maybe even in Europe, but don't quote me on that, for 80 years. And then the Canadians, especially in Manitoba, they started saying, no, we want to start growing hemp again. And so they said, fine, but you need a license. So they became big growers of hemp. And this is industrial hemp. Industrial hemp can grow up to like, I think, eight feet. It's, it's a really tall plant. So I wanted to use hemp because of all of its amazing properties. And those properties are due to the unique structure that allow for that moisture wicking and heat managing. Uh, a hemp fiber actually looks like, um, it looks like a straw, so it's got a hollow core, and then it has little tiny porous holes all the way around that fiber that, are, that allow it and promote the absorption of the water and the heat into that hollow core. And then once it's in the hollow core, it travels away from the body because that's how diffusion works. It, it actually travels from the higher concentrated area to the lower concentrated area where it can evaporate. That's just that's just how it works naturally. So so I thought, well, if you can get natural materials to do this, why are we using synthetic materials? And if you can get 
natural materials to do all this moisture wicking and this heat managing. And it's actually a crop that doesn't need a lot of pesticides and herbicides. Why are we using that? Like, why do we have to go towards all these high tech synthetic products that cause all kinds of problems with our oceans and our people? And now they're finding that the plastic, um, microplastics, even from clothing, are getting into our lungs yes. because they're in our dust in our houses and then we're breathing them in. So we need to start thinking about more bio-based materials and transitioning to those versus using so much plastic. And plastic has its place in, um, in society. There are a lot of actual really good uses, but we've gone way beyond a reasonable level of use for plastic. And we need to pull back and say, there are better ways to solve these problems. And bio-based materials tend to work as effectively, if not more effectively, and are tried and true. They've been using them up until 100 years ago. Hemp was like the main cloth, hemp and linen and, and some cotton. They were used because they're durable, they're antibacterial, and they're responsive to heat and sweat. So that's how, that's one of the reasons that I use hemp. I, I immediately start thinking about endocrine disruptors. So we've talked yeah. about that on po the podcast before, how we need to stop using as many um, plastics and um, started using more natural materials, eating out of cans, eating out of, you know, putting a plastic container in a microwave. This feels to me like one additional positive step that we can begin to, to make sure that our hormones remain balanced if we're, when we're sleeping at night, if we're sleeping in a plant-based product. So I, that, I think that's amazing. So what, talk to us a little bit about care of the product. And if you have, uh, any ideas around product line expansion? Yeah, sure. So, oh, and I did mention, I did forget you, you asked me a question previously and I forgot to answer it because I got on my hemp bandwagon. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, it, it's um, the design. So, so what I did with the design, I noticed I'm looking at other people's nightgowns and there are a few specialty nightgowns out, out there and they get it and they just use a different product blend than I do, but they do. But there are some others out there that say, oh, we're really good for night sweats. And it's like, no, you're not. Look at the way you're designed. And, and when I say that, it's because you, you when you have night sweats, especially menopausal night sweats, you sweat in your chest and you sweat mm -hmm. under your arms in particular and in your torso. And in my case, I also sweat on my my thighs, my upper thighs, which as I mentioned, burned like crazy. So the way I designed the nightgown was I, I made it, I deliberately made it sleeveless. Um, and I normally don't like sleeveless because I, I like a covered arm. Um, but in this case, I thought, no, I'm the first thing I'm gonna do is sleeveless. And then the second thing I did was I gave it a fairly high chest area. And I did that on purpose. I did not want a camisole. This is where you need that absorption. And so if it means that you just wear a sheet on your top because you only, you don't want that heat, then you just wear a sheet. But that helps to wick away that moisture and that heat really fast. That's why I, I made this the, the chest area the way it was. And it also has a high back. And I did that again because you tend to sweat a lot on your back. And I wanted the material to absorb and work with your body um, to the best of its ability. So I covered a lot of the areas where you sweat the most. Mm -hmm. And so people might wonder, well, why did you do that? Well, I did that so that it could actually manage that heat and that sweat so that you can sleep better. So, so that was, and the other thing I did was no buttons, no zippers, no collars, nothing fancy, no lace. This is a functional 
piece of clothing, it has a purpose. And that purpose is to give you your sleep back and help you sleep more comfortably. So there was a lot of thought that I put into that design. So that's, that's that in terms of care. Okay, you have to understand, I am super lazy when it comes to doing laundry. I hate laundry. My sister loves laundry. She and my mother could do laundry every single day. They are both laundry fanatics. I am not. I'm lazy. I hate laundry. I'm bad at it. Right. So I needed something that did not need a lot of care. Um, this is, it's hemp. I'm telling you, my God, that stuff is indestructible. It's, it's actually a hemp organic cotton blend. So that the organic cotton gives it the softness that the hemp does not have on its own. Hemp, it, it wears in. It's a super strong fabric, but it does start off. A lot of people think of it as burlap sacks. And burlap sacks are, in fact, made out of hemp. Um, but when you blend it with a cotton, it's, it's a really soft fabric. It, it's not silky. It feels like a cotton T-shirt. That's, that's really the best, like a medium weight cotton T-shirt. It's really indestructible. Um, don't put it in the dryer on high heat, though. You can put it in on low setting and it'll it'll have about a 4% shrinkage. If you don't want it to shrink at all, then just hang dry it. Um, but it's you wash it with your light clothing with darks um, on cold um, and then you stick it in the dryer on low or hang it to dry. And I'm still wearing my same prototype from three years ago. So, yeah, so the, it lasts, it really does last a long time. And then, of course, because what I do, I don't want it to end up in landfill. You can turn it into rags when you're finally finished with it. And then if you have a garden, um, the dyes that we use are low reactive. So it's you're not going to have a problem with your compost. You could shred it and stick it in your compost at the end. You just have to take the thread out right now because the thread that we're using currently is polyester. It will become cotton when I have the volume to get the sewing house to change over to cotton, but I don't have that volume yet. So they have to use what they're using. So anyway, so that's how it works. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. So the, it, the life and the longevity of it and how it's good for the planet that, so it, it goes beyond the night sweats. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I wanted something that was easy to use, natural, easy to take care of, good for you, good for the planet. I, I really put a lot of thought into the, the product itself and it had to work. Like number one was, does it help you get your sleep back? Yeah. And um, for the majority of our customers, it has, uh, it has made a significant difference, even for those who sweat so much that they, that they just can't get rid of it. Um, even they say they sleep more comfortably with it because what happens is I say, look, go back to your old, your old sleepwear and that's when you really see a difference so even if you don't like I, I even I would wake up occasionally damp by the time I walked to the washroom I was dry like it just dries that fast it really dries well so yeah and then looking after it the only thing I'd say about um, washing it and drying it is you can't use dryer sheets and you can't use fabric softener because those the whole point of those is to block the fibers themselves is to smooth them over. So if you're coating the fibers with a chemical, then you're actually preventing those fibers from doing their job and from responding. So you just wash it with regular soap and stick it in the dryer on low or hang dry it. Mm -hmm. I so, love that. So easy to yeah. use as well. Yeah. yeah. Super yeah. easy. 
Yes, love it. I love this conversation. I think this is so important. And it's an element um, that not only supports women, but oftentimes that we may not even think about. We just assume that we have to live with the night sweats as part mm -hmm. of menopause. So you're giving women an option. And I truly appreciate that. I have two more quick questions for you. What are you reading or listening to right now? First question. So I am, I am, because I'm running a small business, uh, my favorite podcast is how I built this from a business perspective. I love hearing those stories because those founders talk about their failures in addition to their, um, their successes. And it's so much fun hearing their stories. So that's a really fun podcast. Um, I love your podcast for, uh, for menopause because I find your guests are really interesting. You're bringing on different guests who talk about different topics. Um, and, and so I, I love those, I love their perspectives. That, that's, that's a great one. I am, if you are into athletics and you're finding menopause is getting in the way, then a really good podcast is hit play, not pause. Um, it's by the feisty menopause, uh, media group. It's, it's a really good one for, for, um, athletic for women who just want to do sports. Um, then there is, so I, uh, I started running again after four years, a four year break and I'm really slow. And I thought if I don't have, if I don't have someone coaching me, it's not going to happen. And my goal was to run a five, five K without stopping. So I go onto a website and I start researching and I found this one podcast that I absolutely love. It was done in 2012. It's by the National Health System in the United in the UK. It's called NHS, and it is called From Couch to 5K. And there are several out there. This is the one I like. She is a great coach, the narrator. Lord knows what she's doing now because this was recorded in 2012. Um, but what I like is they start you off slow. I'm in week five, the end of week five. I never thought I would make it this far, but she gives you tasks every week, this is what you're going to do this week. And this is when you're going to do it. And because I have these commitments that you and I are talking about now that we don't have kids at home, our, our mornings have turned into a bit of mush because we don't have those. We don't have those. Yeah, I got to get them out the door by 730 or whatever it is. So this brings me back into uh, a routine. And I really appreciate that. But I've accomplished way more with this couch to 5k than I ever thought I would. But then because I'm doing this running program, I brought this book. I'm also now reading Pain-Free, A Revolutionary Method for Stopping Chronic Pain Due to <laughs> a Sore Back and Sore Hips and <laughs> other things due to my newly found running, running experience. Uh, and it's, it's a great book. I, I've been using this for a couple of years for when I get a sore, sore lower back or whatever. And I, I really like this book. Um, so that's a good one. And there was one last one I was going to tell you about. Um, hold on. Let me see if I can remember because my brain's, my brain's going. Just a second. Um, no, I think that's it. I think that's my last one. I um and so probably 2012 2014 I followed from couch to 5k it wasn't a podcast at that time and it really did work because I could not run from my mailbox to two mailboxes down and I just started doing those small incremental steps and I like I got up to a mile like I'm in I was what 
late 40s, mid 40s then. And I'd never been an athlete and it really worked. So that one I can testify to. So I will put the links to all of those. Uh, and I, I was jotting those down as you were talking. I'm going to put the link to all of those below. This has been so amazing. I know folks now are going to want to make sure that they get a good night's sleep. So how can we find you and how can we find out more about the product? Now, well, uh, you can, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, send me a note and you can reach me at Kathy at coolyoursweats.com. Um, Kathy with a C uh, and visit our website. It's coolyoursweats.com. Um, and you can see our products there. We have, depending on November, I'm not sure if we're going to have our third product up by then. I hope we do, but I can't guarantee it. We're, we're um, designing a tank top and shorts right now and um right now all, we're, we have one color which is black we we have plans for more but we're starting slowly because as your perception and your cousin's perception were the same about our yeah is a nightgown really going to help me get my sleep back i don't i don't blame anyone for thinking that way it makes perfect sense to me especially if you're used to trying the bamboo viscose which it it's not great bamboo viscose and just bamboo the problem is, and I won't get into it, but the way that fabric is made, it's the same as any viscose or rayon, rayon product. And it's just not strong enough, effective enough for women who have night sweats the way we do. It's not a great heat manager. It's not made with the enough air holes, spaces. Um, it's an absorber. It's an absorbent material. So it holds on to it a little bit more than um than the the hemp does another good fabric is linen by the way linen is a really great fabric um and so uh so i would say we're we're looking at a tank top and a pair of shorts and they'll be made of the exact same fabric as what we have now i don't know if they'll be ready by then but we're trying so um anyway so that's that's where we are you know and in a normal in a normal business you wouldn't release a tank top and a pair of shorts until maybe April or or <laughs> May, but because we're women with hot flashes, it really doesn't matter if you release them in November or January because we'll take them anytime. You're so right. I I just got a vision. Actually, it's actually the cousin that we're talking about is her grandmother. Um, when I we visit her house, it. In Ohio, the front door would be open, there would be a fan on it, and she would be hand fanning herself in the middle of winter. We were like, what in the world is going, you know, like as a 10-year-old girl, you're thinking, what is wrong with her? Now I understand <laughs> she's deceased, uh, but I've apologized to her many times, and I'm sure in heaven she has heard my apologies. So sorry, Nella, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Hello Hot Flash, where we help midlife women control the change. Everyone, make sure you check out the show notes where we will include links to subjects that we covered today. Also, make sure you go to hellohotflash.com slash giveaway so you have an opportunity to get your cool your sweats sleepwear. Everyone, thanks so much and make it a great day. Here's to your health. Struggling with night sweats? Head over to hellohotflash.com slash giveaway for a chance to win Cool Your Sweats Sleepwear. Cool Your Sweats Sleepwear is designed to help you sleep through the night without having to change the sheets. Enter to win at hellohotflash.com slash giveaway.